Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 24 The Feast of Weeping He ran most days. Dane had begun his journey south walking, but before the day had half gone, he found his mind would not lie quiet unless he ran. Ran as though he hoped to outpace winter and memory. He rarely stopped for food or drink. He ran himself to the peak of his exhaustion. And when the night came, he cast his body beneath a spreading maple, setting no camp, seeking sleep before thought could catch him to itself. In the morning, he broke his fast sparely, rose on feet still wearily shod from the night before and began again to run with a face like flint to look upon. After he had done this to himself for four days, he stumbled and fell and his left leg twisted beneath him. He lay where he had fallen pain lancing from ankle to hip. Then he slipped from his pack, rolled to face the clouded sky, and closed his eyes on tears that would not come. He took the rest of his journey limping, and when he at last came to the great warm city with the temple at its heart, surrounded once more by the creamy stone and beating sun of his boyhood, the days of the feast had begun. The goddess grown god once again. They took him in with cries of welcome he would in other time have returned with gusto. They set his injury, put before him food enough for six, and asked of his errand. Had he indeed come to the city of the Mahoganies, and had he wintered with them? What news of the gods' work did he bring? What had happened? Dane answered all questions put to him, telling of his meeting with Lara and with Jan, with Toron and Danai and later with the family of Toman and Nisa. He embraced and spoke with kindness to each of the runners and temple servants he knew by name. Yet one of them watched him closely, a man of some fifty or more winters, 
with rough peppered brown skin and eyes like coal, and his brows drew together as he watched. That night, at the close of the meal and the prayers and the spells of the feast, the man followed Dane to his alcove, a low bed cut into the stone of the outer temple wall, with a linen curtain gathered at its foot, and Dane's few possessions laid out beneath. When Dane had reached it and sat heavily on its pallet, he leant his head in his hands in an attitude of weariness. The man stepped forward. Dane, my son, he said. Dane's head came up. He rose, shedding his lethargy in an instant, and clipped the distance between them to catch the older man in a crushing embrace. Avi, by the God, it's good to see you, he said, and his voice gave it out as truth. Avi returned the embrace with vigor. Then he held the young man back from him and studied his face. What is it? he said. Something pains you. Will you tell me? Dane smiled at the older man and gripped his hands. I would not keep anything from you, father. Tell me. I have met the woman I would have loved with my body, said Dane. Were I not a runner? The two men sat facing one another, with the early stars glinting in the high, narrow windows of the corridor, and the flickering light of a dying fire in the low brazier inset beneath Dane's alcove. I cannot fully speak my sorrow that you should face this, too, said Avi. To I who have known you from your earliest days. The blows you have faced always seem over-heavy. I wish I could turn them aside, but I know in this I am not the wisest father you have. Dane laughed lowly. The God has never set me something he did not also strengthen me to face, he said. And yet... Father, these last few months have been an agony to me. I soar and plummet hourly, and I look down a corridor of winters, unbending, empty of, of her. I thought I had learned that my refuge might be trusted with my hearts. All that time ago, with the passing of my parents, I thought I had spent my anger. But, Father, so often I feel I cannot but turn an angry face to him who is my best comforter. I hate it. I hate it. Yet I cannot repel it from myself. 
Avi gave a faint groan as though he felt the anguish in his own flesh. He kept his eyes fixed on Dane's face as the young man began to weep. Father, Dane said, and put out his hands as though in supplication. I have begged him. I have begged him to take it from me. If I cannot give myself to this woman, I know I cannot. I will not break my vow. But this wrenching... I cannot bear up under it. And I do not understand why he has said this may not be. Why should we not run together? I swear to you, my son, said Avi. If I knew, I would tell it to you. Dane looked up at him in surprise. You are among the highest of the temple teachers, he said, and you do not know this thing. Avi smiled grimly. I have never understood it. When my own elders taught it me, I mistrusted it. And yet I told myself, shall I set aside this way because I do not understand it? No, if I refused obedience, I knew I would never understand. But if I refused to question, surely understanding would also elude me. It became a burden. I shall not spare you what of the truth I know, Dane. You are the sixth in my lifetime who have felt thus. Of the two score or more I have shepherded, two carried the weight down through their winters. We mourned together again and again, and yet they grew in compassion beyond anything I have seen before or since. The first of these has passed on, and when I kept vigil with her in her final night, she told me she had known all of love, and no lacking though she had never had her lover. The other four I released from their vows. They ceased to be runners, and great love and fruitfulness has come from their lives. If you should ask it, Dane, I would release you from yours. And if you do not, I will walk beside you for as long as I keep my body and give you all the help I may. Dane looked as though plunged into a frozen lake. His mouth opened, but he did not speak. 
I will ask this of you, said Avi, and he lapsed into the venerated tongue, with its divine declensions, its high pronouns, that whatsoever you choose, your vows, or this woman, you will not carry your choice nor your hearts before the God as shame. Hear me when I tell you, in this love is no darkness. All loves teach us of the divine, whether they may be consummated or no. It shall not be wasted, my son, not the love, not the pain. I know this with all that is in me, though I cannot tell you how it will come. Dane breathed deeply, a torrent through all his limbs. His shoulders seemed to straighten slightly. Once more he grasped Avi's hands, then released them. Thank you, father, he said. You have always been a true friend to me, in this not the least. Avi gave Dane a great and spreading smile. From your first winters, he said, I have loved you, Dane. My hands to the god that I may see you hale and glad again. Dane set his fist to his chest. Avi made a gentle sign of blessing, worn with frequent use, familiar. Beloved. Then he turned and left Dane to the silence and the God. When the courts emptied of worshippers, the last giddy few leaving their feast places and making their threading way home in looped arms and laughter, Dane slept. On the road south, his dreams had woken him many times, and though unremembered in the morning, they left him with a coldness in the chest, a gaping thing from which he instinctively flinched away. This dream did not wake him and he lay warm and silent beneath the light covering of his temple bed. He walked with purpose on a deserted road, a high sun insisting behind him. The land about him held autumn in its trees, and ahead, at the edge of his sight, he caught the shape of a great forest with pale lights winking from among the branches, as he approached, he soon could make out the structures built 
the homes, the walkways, the platforms, against the boughs high above the forest floor. One of the lifted cities, he thought, though he had never seen them in his waking life. The city stirred not at all. He could see no movement above on its swinging paths, no faces in the windows of its homes. He walked among the trees, gazing up, searching for some hint of life there. When the slow groan of straining wood came, he turned toward it swiftly, scanning the darkening trees until he caught sight of the descending platform in the distance. He ran toward it and reached it just as it touched the forest floor. It was empty. He looked up. Come, said a thin voice, unseen. I will pull you up. He mounted the platform nimbly, spreading his feet to brace himself as it began to rise. As he neared the upper walkway, he could see a dim face peering down to him, then turning to work the pulley, then looking down again. At last he drew near enough to make out the worn features of a woman full of winters. When she looked at him, he saw the patience in her eyes. Come, she said again, setting the pulley in its lock and offering her hand to help him mount the walkway. Her grip was surprisingly strong, for she appeared frail and unsteady, and she had taken up a slim walking prop with a smooth head polished with use. Over the buckling boards, she led him to a home with windows alight. He entered behind her. His feet touched grasses. He put out a hand to the wall and found he could not feel it there, though he had just come through the low lintel of her home's entrance. All about him he saw what seemed a woodland, breathing softly in the night. And the old woman beckoned to him from beside a small stand of trees. He followed her. The trees, spare young beeches, circled a pool not more than a woman's length across. In its face he saw mirrored the emerging stars. Why have you come? said the old woman, turning to him. I love one of the daughters of this place, Dane said, as though someone else were speaking with his voice. She is not here said the woman. You must search for her elsewhere. I may not search for her at all, he said heavily. I have no home that she may share. The waters of the pool glimmered. The woman arched her brows at him, knelt, and set her hands to its surface. From its depths, words formed as though laid on the pages of a book. But what you have, you cannot hold, for you are my open-handed ones, and I will be your home. You have a home, 
said the old woman, looking at him. It is a home for one only, he said. I may not share it. Think you that the god is so small, she said. She spread her arms, gesturing to the susurrating boughs, the sweep of meadow, and the wide, dark firmament. You see that my home contains worlds within its walls. Think you still that I am so small? And have I not made you in fashion after myself, so that your roots go down deep in me, and your spreading branches give roost for the birds of the air, and the creatures of the earth come to rest in your shade? Shall such a one live and not share his home with all about him? Shall the god demand home from you for others, and give you none for yourself? He did not answer at first. Then he said, Who are you, mother? You know who I am, she said. Again, watching him, she laid her hands against the waters, and the pool grew still as beaten steel. At first, he saw familiar words from among the spells, the say-rathers he had learnt until they sprang to his hand when he reached for them. Shall I give desire that I might frustrate it? Say rather, O oh you of faltering trust, that with desire I draw you up, that I may teach deep feasting to you who yet only sip. Shall I laid you beyond bearing that you might sink? Say rather, O oh, you of too ready fear, that in great burden and growing strength I myself shall bear you up until only strength remain. And then, with pain that struck him breathless, he saw in the pool himself walking beside her, her head thrown in laughter and her hand in his. They faced the sunrise, and as it broke over the land, they began running. The old woman took her hands away, and the water grew quiet once more. Dane looked at her, beseeching. Please, he said, I do not understand. I am a runner. I have sworn I shall take no wife. 
You have sworn it, the woman said, but the god did not ask it. Take this message to the temple teachers. Where is it written? For it was not so in the beginning. She raised her arms and made a sudden sweeping motion. The stars of the pool went out. Dane woke. He gazed up at the curving ceiling of his alcove in great trouble of mind. He could hear the first murmur of the early prayers and spells for the morning. He could picture them. The men and women whose work he shared, their lives bound with the same binding. He could picture the faithful hands from whom they had taken this binding, and the certainty, the grit with which they each had received it, full willing. Refuge, he said, in a voice low past hearing. What shall I make of this? The weeks drew on. The days of the feast had long ended, and still no summons came for Dane. Many of his sisters and brothers in the temple service received theirs and left on their next journeys, and still he remained awash in the spells, his young body again thrilling to the sun's heat and the dry winds. The cool that descended at each day's close brought reflection and solitude. And when he slept, he had no dreams. He saw Avi almost daily, but he had as yet spoken no word to him of the wise woman's message. His hearts longed to rejoice. The image of he and Jan, with hands clasped, hovered, persistent. And yet he feared to release into it when he desired so strongly that it might be so. How should he judge of this thing when he could not stand off from it even at the smallest distance? Summer waned. The heat did not abate. The autumnal feasts began to be spoken of in the streets, in the market, in the courts of the temple. Avi watched Dane but did not press him, content to let other hands than his spur the man. Dane would return with an answer, when it came. It did not come, and soon the children of the marked ones began singing the spells in the mornings, the spells for the feast of weeping that would begin the course of feasts for the autumn months. They went in trains through the streets, hands joined, heads crowned with rough bramble, dark cloth covering their shoulders like cloaks, and singing the slow, meandering melodies of the spells. Father told me of her beauty, mother showed me of her way, and yet when my time came for trusting, 
gorging in the pits I lay. Then my hands brought forth great sorrow, then my hearts brought forth great pain, and naked I walked broken homeward. Shall she take me in again? Shall my weeping move thy spirit? Shall my misery thy heart? Or shall all care for my reception rest instead on who thou art? Dane sat listening his arms slung over his drawn-up knees once more, his back against the warmed stone of a long wall that ran from the temple's outer courts to the gate of the city on its western side. He had always loved the autumn feasts, when the male face of the god, the god of the bright spring and summer months, gave way to the woman goddess of the year's darkness, the goddess of broken things and of mourning, whose silence nourished the world. Yet as the spells changed to she, he saw the face of the goddess in that strange dream, the old woman's face, and his heart was heavy within him. What should he make of her words? The children's voices faded around a bend in the cobbled road. Soon the sun-soaked silence took up residence once more all about him. Dane closed his eyes and let his head fall back against the wall. His oaken hearts broke into the air, reaching, straining for the sky. His hands slipped to the ground, resting with his knuckles in the dust his palms falling faintly open. He whispered the name Refuge and fell silent. The feast of weeping always began at nightfall. Dane sat in his place, a woven mat between him and the temple floor. Avi as temple father and the temple mother, Sheva, at the head of the great space, sounded dim as they spoke aloud the first spells, and the people rumbled their readings like a many-throated beast. Dane had risen for his part in the singing that came next, when the young men and the young women of his generation gave their voices in antiphonal lament. But Avi had held up his hand. The assembly quieted. Avi turned to face the people. This has not been done in all my knowledge of the feasts, he said, and so I ask your pardon. But I am commanded to speak. This night past, I woke from a dream of the goddess the goddess who spoke to our elders, and who speaks again. And she has given me a command. Dane! Dane brought his head up. 
he felt rushing fire in his limbs. Come, said Avi, and held out his hand. Through the worshipping throng, Dane walked erect. Sudden gratitude possessed him. This, then, was his answer. He would speak. When he came to Avi's side, the older man said for all to hear, My son, she commands that you tell us what she has told you. In careful, clear voice, Dane described his dream. He faltered only for a moment on the image he had held like a secret to his breast, hesitating to share it before so many strangers. And lastly, he told the final words of the goddess. He glanced beside him and saw Avi's face filled with joy and shock. My word must not be alone in this, Dane said, his voice ringing in the wide court with the heavens above, for my own interest stands at stake in it. I give you report of what the goddess has told me, and I ask that you inquire of her yourself, and with the others of our wise ones. I know she shall give answer to you just as she has done for me. He turned to Shiva and Avi. When you have heard her answer, I ask that you release me from my solitude, but not from my work, for I shall ask my love to join in it. The matter will then rest with her. If she will not be runner with me, I shall run alone for all my days remaining. Avi was smiling. Toward the back of the gathering, a woman stood up. Dane did not recognize her. She did not serve in the temple and wore the plain shift of one of the people from the outer villages. She made her way through the crowds and stood facing the three, the older and the younger. Fathers, mother, she said. The goddess set this burning in my heart, nigh on three months gone. I saw his face she pointed at Dane, though I have not met a runner in my life. And the woman, she said, looking at Dane, she's named Jan. Yes? Dane nodded mutely. He had told her name to no one. I never came to the feasts before this, the woman said. We kept them in our home. The journey's too far. But come summer... The dreams pushed at me and pushed at me until I promised the goddess I'd come, though small good I could see in it. For Jan, and for that man whose face kept appearing in my waking sight. I may not know either of you, she said, addressing Dane again, but I've had full share and greater of generosity in my winter's living and I don't mind taking some pains to see that others get some, too. So here's my voice to it. The goddess has made this love and work to be one. (music) 
When she had finished speaking, two more figures rose from the crowd. Dane laughed aloud, astonished as a child. They came forward, a girl of barely fourteen winters, stammering but determined, and a man from the temple service whom Dane knew but sparely. They, too, had had dreams. Last, another of the runners came. He was younger by a few winters than Dane, and they had never known one another well. Pain and tears fought in his face. He worked to speak, but could not. In the end, he took Dane's hand and bent his head over it, then sank to sit at their feet. Avi, his whole face lit with joy, seemed stricken with silence also. At last, Sheva set a hand on Dane's shoulder, then turned to the assembly. Beloved, she cried, from three mouths, even four, has this word been made known to us, as the words set it down. We shall, as Dane asks, seek the goddess together, all the men and women of our wise ones. Yet I tell you with confidence that we have heard the goddess this night, and at the end of this feast you shall hear the conclusion of the matter. When the feast ended in the unshaded lanterns and uncovered heads of the children, Avi and Sheva told the people the doom they had deemed, that in respecting custom, these many turnings of the earth, the elders had mistaken the usual for the right, that the goddess knew her children and set for them only such pace as they could keep. They would add this word to the words, that the runners might marry, and that they should make their vows, knowing that in all ties of love or blood were hidden in great and abiding oneness their tie to the goddess herself. The temple mother called Dane, and he came and stood before her. She spoke the words over him which had been spoken when first he took the vows upon himself, and Avi gave of him to eat the ritual breads of that ceremony, setting his own portion between lips that curved in an inward, remembering smile. Then father and mother laid palms to his hearts and released him from his sworn solitude. And he wept. Beloved son of your mother, said Avi, we send you now with no binding but to return before this cycle's ending. We shall hear then of the goodness of the goddess and rejoice with you. Dane set his fist to his chest, his eyes on Avi. 
At dawn the next day, he sped the city, and the great pale paving stones fell away from beneath his feet as he ran. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Ben-Avraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon, who make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you so much.